0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're in this uh, series called Lead the Way. And and, uh, this is really a vision that God's laid in my heart for probably the last nine months. And so, again, just to give you a reminder, if you weren't here last week, just to recap, and we'll be doing this over and over, but we're saying that there are a couple elements to this. Uh, The first one is that we're still going to reach the nations. We're still going to... Thank you. We're still going to reach the nations, and we've got projects going all around the world. We've got venture. We're supporting venture. PIBDI is a church in Brazil that we're helping to uh, continue. They're, they're doing building expansions. It's Andrew and Julie Vargas are the pastors there. We're still working with Speed the Light with our students. We're, we're, we're helping uh, a, t- a church in the Seattle area. It's called The Table, and it's a church uh, that's been, a, it's a plant. It's been going on for about two years, and you all are continuing to finance them and help them and spread the word. I don't know if you know this. The Pacific Northwest is the most unchurched part of the nation, and so uh, we feel good about that. And then still locally, we're still doing things here locally around our own community. We're doing things like Lake Geneva is the campus conference center that, that the district supports, and you all are a big part of that. You're doing that as well as Life Center, which is downtown, basically Minneapolis, it's in the Phillips neighborhood. Uh, Many of you have gone there, I know the young adults have been there to have uh, ministry, and many of you have ministered there with them. We're doing things like ReChurch, is a church that's going to plant, they think they'll launch in about a year and a half, it's a ton of work uh, to plant a church, and so they're getting their team up, they're getting their team running, and then as well as that, we've got all the things that go on around here, just around our own building. We've got capital projects that have to be done. We've got places that, in the building that need new carpet. We've got all new doors that have to go around the outside with a security system. It's, it's got to be upgraded, and all that's got to be done. And then uh, the big thing that we're launching next year is what we call Vanguard Academy. We're super, super excited about this. Uh, I've said this. You guys know I've I've said this a few times now. I don't believe that what we're seeing going on in the culture right now, I really don't believe the problem is... The darkness i believe the problem is the light the problem is the light the light has just gotten dimmer and dimmer and, and and the light has just become inactive that's us followers of jesus and so we're saying what if we got a hold of kids at an early age and we taught them a bit with a biblical worldview and so vanguard academy our, our mission statement is this we provide a christ-centered we're very clear about that it's a christ-centered education Equipping students to lead the way in all matters of faith and culture. And if you didn't hear me say this in the video, the the reason we chose the name Vanguard, Vanguard literally means to lead the way. If you have an army that's advancing, it is the foremost part of an advancing army is the Vanguard. And we believe that if we can get a hold of children at a young age and teach them with a biblical worldview, that they'll lead the way. I think there are Christians everywhere who are just waiting to jump in. And, And unfortunately, this is what we're doing as Christians. Right? There's a lot of that going on. Now, I'm not somebody who thinks we need to be more combative. I think that's been part of the problem in the past. We just wanted to be combative. I don't think we need to be combative, but I think we certainly need to lead the way. And we would say in all matters of faith and culture. And so this series is going to continue that. Now, today, we're looking at trust. And trust is, is what we're going to be talking about because trust is going to be required. If we're going to lead the way, we're going to have to trust. And I would say that you personally are going to have to trust. Us as a body are going to have to be trusting. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. If you, if you would in your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 13. That's where we'll start today. And then we'll look again at the life of Abram and Sarai, who are going to become Abraham and Sarah. But when you get that, if you just stand to your feet, and uh, we'll read this together. You'll follow along as I read. But this is Genesis chapter 13, and I'm going to start in verse 5, and I'll read just a bit of this passage to you. It says this in verse 5. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, the Canaanites and the parasites were also living in the land. And finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you, Abram says. Take your choice of any section of the land you want. And we'll separate. If you want the land on the left, I'll go to the land on the right. And if you prefer the land on the right, I'll go to the land on the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered, everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom And settled among the cities of the plain, but the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, God. We declare you are God. You are the creator. You're the all-powerful one. You're the almighty one. So we worship you today, God. And now we thank you for your word. We thank you that we've heard from your word. And we're asking that you would speak to us from your word, God. Speak to us from your word, God. Let us hear your voice reveal to us who you are Lord we pray these things in Jesus name amen you can all grab a seat well we're talking about trust today and and I'm telling you this we're going to have to get this down this is going if we're going to lead the way if we're going to do this and last week we talked about legacy we talked about legacy uh, especially as it came to Abraham Abraham was told by God God, so listen, all the peoples of the earth are going to be blessed. All peoples of the earth are going to be blessed through you. And we know that that happened because Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel had 12 sons. One of his sons was Judah. And from the tribe of Judah came the Lion of Judah, the Messiah. And we've been blessed. We've been blessed because of that. So there's a legacy for Abraham. There's going to be a legacy for us someday. And we said this, everybody leaves a legacy. It just depends on what kind of legacy you want to leave. And what do we want to leave for this community? And we what, what kind of legacy do we want to leave into eternity? And so it's going to require trust. But here's the challenge, is that trust becomes another one of those words. And if you didn't grow up in the church, and you weren't always in Sunday school, and maybe you're, you're just coming back to church, or maybe church is a new thing to you. Trust becomes one of those words for church people that we, we, we kind of just begin to take for granted. And there's a couple words like that. There's words like hope, and there's words like joy, and we go, oh, hope. You know, like, I hope so. Well, that's not really biblical hope. And we've equated joy with happiness. Well, that's not really biblical joy. Right, another one of those words is trust. And trust isn't just like, mm, sure, I, I kind of trust you. And, and I always like to look at the original language and say, what what, what what did it really mean then? What was it intended to mean? And this is biblical trust. Now, this is the Greek, and we're looking at the Old Testament, which would have been in Hebrew, but the Hebrew and the Greek in this, in this item are very similar. And the word trust would have meant a complete belief, so we know that it is a belief in what God promises or what he's going to do. However, and this is the key, it's an obedience, which is properly the result of God's persuasion. It's an obedience. It's an action. It's a do. The real trust is a do. Now, you know that I've, I've used this example before, and this is always one of my favorites. There's a guy named Charles Blondin. He was a Frenchman, and uh, he made a name for himself here in the US, and he was a tightrope walker. And he would, he would string rope between skyscrapers, and he did this at, at Niagara Falls. And, and this is him at Niagara Falls. And he did all kinds of crazy things on a tightrope. Like, they have pictures of him, and he would go out on a tightrope, and he would put somebody on his back, and he'd walk across. He'd put a bag over his head, and he'd walk across. He was out on a tightrope, and he made uh, fried an egg, and then he sat down and ate it. And he's done all kinds of crazy things on a tightrope. But one of the other things that he did that I always think is so cool is that he pushed a wheelbarrow. And he would say to the people, after he, he went across Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow, and he would say, now how many of you believe that I could put somebody in this wheelbarrow and push it across? Yes, we believe. Who wants to get in? No, we don't. Right, because believe and trust are two different things. How many of you know that you can believe something, but trusting in it is different? I believe you can push that wheelbarrow with a person in. Just don't ask me to do it because I don't actually trust you. And today we want to look at biblical trust. Trust is saying, oh yeah, I'll get in the wheelbarrow. That's biblical trust. Biblical trust is I'll get in the wheelbarrow. So, yeah, let me just catch you up to up to pace on where we're at with this uh, travels of Abram. And you'll remember this last week when we started in chapter 12. Chapter 12 is where God first introduced Himself to Abram. We don't know what Abram believed. We don't really know who he worshipped. We know his father, Terah, worshipped many gods. Uh, we we know that Abram probably worshipped the moon god. And they started out way down here in Ur, which is which is probably Iraq today. And they started way down in Ur and and. Terah, his father, just decided they were going to go to Shechem, that they were going to go to Canaan, which is modern-day Israel. It was called Canaan back then. But to get there, he has to go up to Haran, because if you walk across the desert like that, you're going to die. And that no one would survive that. And so they go up through Haran. And when they get to Haran, after a period of time, God called to Abram, and Abram went down into the Promised Land. He went down into Canaan. And so now, at this point in time, Abram would be somewhere down here in Shechem. And eventually, Abram went down into Uh, Egypt, if you remember that, there was a a, a terrible famine, and they went down to Egypt, and that's where they, some of you would remember this from Sunday school, that's where the whole thing was weird, and he was kind of confronted by some of the king's men, and and he's got his wife there with him, Sarah, and she's very beautiful, and so he says, "Uh, she's not really my wife, it's my sister, which is kind of weird, and so his life is spared, and the They finally kick him out of there. And so he goes back up. And now he's back up around this area in Shechem. And this is where our story now picks up today. And it says this. Now Lot, Lot is Abram's nephew, was moving about with Abram. And he also had flocks and herds and tents. And these guys are continuing to become more and more prosperous as they're traveling around. And it says, but the land could not support them while they lived together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. They've got, they've got too, many, too many, too many herds. It, it, it's just, it, it's too many of them too close together and the land can't support them. And so it says, and quarreling arose between Abrams' herds and lots. Now, the Bible is full of these almost parenthetical statements that are significant to me, that, that I read them and I think, that's an interesting statement. And I always wonder why they put it in there. And it says, quarreling arose between Abrams and lots, but then the very next sentence says, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land. And that's interesting to me, because I think what the scriptures are really telling us is Abram is conscious of it, and he worships a different God now, than the Perizzites and the Canaanites. And I don't think he wants to have a bad testimony. I think Abram's thinking, man, our herdsmen aren't getting along, and we're starting to fight, and I don't want people to think of us that way, because that's not the kind of God we serve. I think he's concerned about the people who are watching, what people are seeing. Then it goes on and it says, finally, Abram says to Lot, Abram Abram initiates this. Abram initiates this. Now remember this, God has already promised him, and he's made him several promises. First of all, he said, look, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're going to have a great number of descendants. Everybody's going to be blessed through you. He's made him great promises. So Abram initiates this conversation a Lot. He says, hey, let's do this. Let's not allow this conflict to come between us. Let's not allow this conflict to come between our herdsmen, even. After all, we're close relatives. He's very concerned that there's peace in the family. That's the only thing he's concerned about right now. He's concerned about how, how, how is it going to look if we're all together and we're always fighting and we're always arguing and our herdsmen are always fighting and our herdsmen are always arguing. arguing. That, that's not going to look good at all. And so it says the whole commun- countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we'll separate. Now, this is just me, and maybe I'm the only one who's wired this way. But if I'm there, and I'm God's chosen, and God has made me all the promises, I say, no, 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 stand back. I'm going to look at the land. I'm going to decide what I want. And whatever I don't want, you can have. Is there a little of you that, that's saying that? You're the favored one here. You're the blessed It's just me. Okay, you're the blessed one. And Abram says, nope. You look it over. You take whatever you want. And further, he says, take a lo- he, he took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered. It, it's just lush. It's well watered. And f- further, it says, like the garden of the Lord. It's, it's talking about the Garden of Eden. It almost looks like that to, to Lot as Lot looks it over. He's looking over this fertile well-watered, like the Garden of Eden or the beautiful land of Egypt. That's what it looks like to him. And so what do you think he does? Well, naturally, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks, with his servants, and he parted company with his uncle Abram. Abram's just like, nope, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. That's not my concern. Abram knows what he's been promised. And furthermore, he trusts in God's promises he knows what God has said and he knows what God's doing so because of that it frees him up and it just releases him and he completely trusts in it lot you look the land over now understand they both have herds they both have herds if an area is well watered and you have herds that would be a big deal if the land is fertile and you have all these herds that would be a big deal and what we see is Abram totally trusts and he just says nope Lot, you choose. You take whatever you want. And then it's just very simple. It just says, so Abram settled in the land of Canaan. And that was it. And that just seemed like the end of it. Except understand God's response when we trust him. Not, not, not when we believe in him. Not because we might believe that there's a God. I'm saying because we trust. Because Abram trusted him. Because he trusted him so much. Here's what Abram knew. Abram knew that no choice, the lot, Is ever going to make will ever stop what God's going to do it can't it can't stop what God's going to do people's choices circumstances that can't change what God's going to do God's Word is God's Word and so watch what God says after a lot had gone the Lord said to Abraham look as far as you can see in every direction now now just think about this for a minute think about what God is saying Here's Lot, and Lot just took off, and Lot went to the east, to the Jordan Valley. The Jordan Valley is lush. It reminds everyone of the Garden of Eden, right? And he just went there, and he just took that. And now God actually steps in, and he says to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. What that means is that probably encompasses that land that Lot just took. Like, God's going to totally take care of Abram here. And he goes on and he says, I'm giving all this land, as far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. P.S., by the way, just historically, so you know what's going on. This is why the Jews feel very strongly about their land. That verse is exactly why the Jews feel so strongly about their land. Because God said it's a permanent possession. Abram, Abram just completely trusted God. And because Abram trusted God, he knew that Lot wasn't going to make a decision that could interfere with the will of God. God's made promises. Those promises are going to happen. And so Abram just steps back and says, Lot, I don't want there to be fighting. You just, you just choose. If you go right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll go right. And he totally trusted God. And because he trusted God, this is what God says to him. I'm giving all this land, as far as you can see, to you, to descendants As a permanent possession. And further, God goes a step further. He says, I'll give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they can't even be counted. He said another time to him, look in the stars in the heaven. Can you count them? No, neither will you be able to count your descendants. He said, look at the grains of sand on the shore. Can you count them? No, neither will you be able to count your descendants. These are promises that God's making to him. Then he continues and he says, Go. Walk through the land in every direction. I'm giving it to you. This is as clear as can be. A man trusts God. A man trusts what God is doing. A man trusts in the promises of God and God blesses him because of it. He didn't believe, he trusted. There's a big difference. Trust says, I get in the wheelbarrow. That's trust. Abraham was willing to do it. Abraham was willing to do it. He was willing to say, Okay, all right. God, I trust you. I'm in the wheelbarrow. And God blesses him as a result. I'm going give you the big so what, and then we're going to flesh this out a little bit. The big so what, what I want you to remember this morning is this. The circumstances of life can't stop the promises of God. People's, other people's choices can't stop the promises of God. What other people choose to do are never going to stop the promises of God. God's word is God's word, and it's God's promises, or it's what God is doing. It's God's promises, or it's what God's doing. Now, this is what we're doing at this church at this point in time. We're committed to leading the way. I believe that's the vision that God's given us. He's been giving that to me over the last nine months, that we're going to lead the way. That what's going on is is a little silly, and it's a little ridiculous. And the biggest reason that that stuff is able to go on is because we become too passive. Do you know what I mean? We're we're sitting back just a little bit, and we become too passive. And I know a lot of Christians that live in the culture today, and they're not happy at all about some of the things that are going on in the culture, but collectively we do almost nothing. And this is gonna require trust for all of us, personally for you, personally for me, for all of us. We talked about this last week, and I'll show you the slide again. We talked about this last week, of everything we're doing, of everything, of the things that have to go on around here, of the things with our neighbors, with the nations, and with Vanguard Academy, The price tag on that is about $6.1 million for this next year. It's about a 20% increase in our annual budget. It's about a 20% increase. And so in order for that to happen, we're going to have to trust. We're going to have to trust. Now, in your your books, uh, by the way, these, the life groups have all been going through these and there's daily devotions in there. So hopefully you're using those. And then also, we handed these out last week. And these were books that you would have picked up with all the projects in them, all the different projects, right? But inside of that was this card, was this card. And this card is our faith goal. And on November 12th, we're gonna collect these. And so what I'm asking is that you would start praying about that right now and say, God, what is gonna be my part? What's gonna be my role? Now, just to explain a few things, we've always done Kingdom Builders for the last several years. And this will be the last year we do Kingdom Builders. And the reason is very simple. We're gonna do all the same projects. We're gonna support all the same ministries. We're gonna support all the same missionaries. It's not going away. It's just a change in name. Everybody hear me? Those projects are not going away. It's just a change in name. And the reason that we're doing, making the change is simply this. We've talked to a couple people who are, this is what they do. And, and they work with churches to do this, and they just feel that sometimes we, we make this a little confusing. Because if you don't exactly explain how Kingdom Builders works every week, if we don't explain this every week, every week, when new folks walk in, they're like, well, when I give to Cedar Valley, or, or am I, do, I, do I give to Kingdom Builders? How am I doing this? It's just one fund from now on. What we're asking, and I'll use the word trust, what we're asking is that you would trust our leadership, that you would trust our elders, that you would trust our staff, that as you give to Cedar Valley, we'll, we'll determine where that needs to go, right? As we try to fill all these different funds. And so on, Nove- on November 12th, we'll ask you to have one of these filled out, and we're going to bring them to the altar. Now, let me just talk to you a little bit about giving, and I'll explain it this way, that giving is a journey, and I don't know if you've ever felt this, especially if you're newer to church. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been going to church all your life but giving is, is one of the only reasons where we don't allow for a process of growth. Oh, you, you go to church now? Give 10%. Just give 10%. And maybe you can relate to this because folks who come into the church and they're newer, they're like, what's this 10% deal? We allow you to grow in every area of your life. We allow you to grow except when it comes to giving. No, nope, you just give 10%. And so we recognize that giving is really a journey It's a journey. And so we would call the first one a potential giver. And a potential giver is anybody who walks into a service or watches us online. And they have the potential to give. That's very possible. They very well may give. That's a potential giver. And we're thrilled to have potential givers with us. But then beyond potential givers, there's an emerging giver. And the emerging giver takes a little step forward and they say, well, I'm coming back and I'm going to church again. And when the offering, when the offering bucket comes by, hey, have you got a 20? Have you got two? Can, can we put a 20 in there? Can we put a 10 in there? And that's kind of an emerging giver. And we're grateful for the emerging givers. We're grateful. There, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. We're grateful for emerging givers. But then there's what we would call a consistent giver. And with consistent giving, what you really do is you say, hey, I figured this out before I pay all my bills. This is what we consistently give. And you may even do it on a percentage. You may say, hey, you know, uh, we're gonna do 3% this year. This is what we make, this is 3% of that. And so before we pay all our bills, we just give 3%. That's what we do. Maybe we give 5%. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Then the next step is what we call a tither. Tithing is a biblical principle. We've learned it's, it's before the law. It's during the law. It's in the New Testament. It's just a principle that 10%, 10% before I pay my mortgage, before, before I make my car payment, before I do anything, it just comes right off the top, 10%. And that's fantastic. And then there's one more level. And one more level is an extravagant giver. An extravagant giver. An extravagant giver says, I give my tithe, and then I give above and beyond that. And that's what a lot of you have done with Kingdom Builders. You already gave a tithe. And then you gave above and beyond. And we're going to ask you to continue to to consider that. Right? And so what you'll do this year, especially if you gave to kingdom builders, you'll say, well, here is our tithe. If I'm a tither, this is what I gave as a tithe. And this is my kingdom builders. And now would God challenge me even more? And I just put that in one number. And that's what I'm going to give this year. Now, we've been talking about it. We've been praying about it at our house. I'll, I'll tell you. I'm just telling you what we're gonna do. And I'm not saying this is good or better. We're still a little back and forth. This year we're gonna do either 20. I look at Kimmy cause he's like, what are you? We're doing either 20 or 21%. I'm not saying you need to do that. The reason I gave you a percent and not a number is because if I give you a number, some of you are gonna say, our pastor's a tightwad. And if I give you a number, some of you are gonna say, we pay our pastor way too much. So I'm going to give you the percentage, because percentage means everything to everybody. It's the same thing. It's right across the board. But we're still wrestling. We're 20, 21%. That's what we're going to do this year. And that'll go on our faith uh, goal card, and we'll hand that in on November 12th. And so we're asking you as a church, would you start to pray? If you're If you're single, I want you to pray about it. In fact, we would always say this. This is the way that this kind of goes. You pray. You're going to seek God. God, what would you have me do? If this church is going to lead the way, if we're going to leave a legacy, if I'm going to trust in you, God, and you start praying, and then you plan, you start with a plan, right? But when we plan and when we trust, we don't purely look at our finances. We plan we make God a part of that process. We dream. We say, man, what if? What if God was in the midst of this? What if God got involved in this? What could we do? What kind of legacy could we leave? If I were to fully trust in God, what could we do? And then you just make your decision. You're going to have till about the 12th. You're going to have about the 12th. So be planning on that. That card was originally in your book. We'll hand more cards out that day. And then as a church, we'll just see. Listen, here's what I would tell you this is about our hearts, this is not about a dollar amount. Because you know what, if we, if we came up with the number and I said, man, you guys aren't even going to believe this. We came up with $8 million and our hearts weren't right. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If we came up with a number and our number was 5.1 million and our hearts are right, God's going to do it. This is about trust. We have to trust. We have got to trust. And so I'm asking you, pray about it, pray about it, pray about it, start listening to God. If you're, if you're in a married couple, you, you won't always have the same number. And you're going to have to wrestle over that. That would be expected. If you're a married couple, you're going you're to get a number, and they're going to get a number, and then you guys are going to talk about your number, right? That would be expected. But this will be a process for the church. And what I'm saying is, if we're going to lead the way, if we're going to lead the way, We're going to have to trust. We're going to have to trust. You're going to trust, and I'm going to trust, and as a church, we're going to trust that God's going to provide, that if God is calling us to lead the way and God gives you a number, God's going to provide for you. And if God's given us a dream and a vision and a plan, and we come up with a number as a church, God's going to provide. He's going to take care of this. Let's go pray, plan, dream, and then give. Be prepared for that on November 12th. I'm excited. I'm excited, and I'm trusting God. And and I'll just be honest, man. It's hard. How many of you would say, yeah, it's a little hard to get in the wheelbarrow? Just me again. Okay, good. And so it's hard to get in the wheelbarrow. And this is where I've really learned there's a big difference between believe and trust. I can say I believe, but to get in the wheelbarrow.